0: Hey, good morning everybody. Welcome. This is Just Human number 176. I am Just Human and I am barely awake. <laughs> this coffee, this coffee is my lifeline into reality and I am so thankful for it. Um I am so tired. Uh it definitely feels like a Monday on my end. Um and I hope <laughs> I hope y'all can bear with me and I'll do my best. To uh, present a show, I have some some things to present, but I absolutely did check out this weekend. Like Friday night, um, I finished an interview with Zelosophy, which you can find that interview. It's a uh, Zelosophy for all over on Rumble. Um, you ch- if you check my socials, you'll you'll see the link for it. I did an interview with him, which was very nice, and I appreciate him having me on. The uh, first hour of the interview was some topics. And then the second hour of the interview was more like biography, like him asking me questions about my background. And, uh, yeah, it was, a, it was a very enjoyable interview, and people seemed to really like it. So if you're interested, it's the philosophy for all over on Rumble, and you can find find that interview. Uh, but that interview ended about 9 o'clock, um, and I checked out. Like, I checked out for um, the whole the whole weekend and watched a race with my boys 24 hours of Daytona. It was excellent, although there are many things to com- complain about with not the race, but the way it was presented. And uh, TV presenters, not going to go into that right now, but um, basically, they NBC and their Peacock service. And their camera crew and production service were able to ruin a perfectly amazing race that probably would be an all-time classic if not for TV direction and commercials and NBC being NBC. Um, Which is why so many of us don't consume their products and instead use a VPN to pretend like we're in some other country and get the raw feed. Uh, Anyway, it was a great race. I really enjoyed it. Um, We had a great time following the 61 cars and marking them out. A number of cars didn't finish. You can see all these X's on these cars. Um, Those are cars that we marked out because they failed to finish the race um, or fell so far out of contention, you know, like 50 laps down or so. um, They may have actually kept racing, but they had so much trouble. It was great, and we started working on um, a Ferrari model, this, le- this massive Ferrari Lego model um, that I have had for about six months now since my birthday. And I've just set it aside waiting for an occasion to build it. So me and my nine-year-old started building that. And uh, we, <laughs> I, you know how you can take a marble, like if you pick up a marble and you hold it between your thumb and forefinger, you can like shoot the marble. So at about midnight, yeah, about midnight Saturday, I picked up a Lego piece and it shot out of my, it was a smooth one and it shot out of my fingers like that. And it shot across the room. And that turned into three hours of me and my nine-year-old looking for this one piece. And um, my nine-year-old was distraught because we couldn't progress with the build. Um So we got delayed and didn't get to finish it. So he and I are planning on finishing it tonight. Um, but yeah, I did exactly what I said. I had both my boys down here and we set up some, uh, folding chairs back here. Like the type you take to like outdoor events, like a soccer game or baseball game or whatever, you know, those types of chairs and, uh, got snacks, got beverages and set up the, the big screen with, uh, with the race and timing and track map and onboard cameras. And it was awesome. We had such a good time. Um, and yeah, I've been checked out. So I haven't been in the media stream whatsoever, in the news stream. So I don't know a lot about what happened over the weekend since then. Um, and my mindset, I'm very much picking up off of where I was on Friday night uh, when I checked out. Um, I grabbed a few things that I want to talk about this morning, and we're just going to navigate our way through them. And, um, I don't have a deep, deep dig for you. I do apologize about that, but, um, I just don't, um, I'm thinking that this morning, this morning I have a a few short little pieces of news I want to present that I just have my eye on and give some commentary. And then I want to do, well, I don't want to do it. I don't want to talk about David DePape, um, and the video that came out, but I also feel like I should talk about David DePape and the the body cam and surveillance video that came out. Um so I am gonna spend some time on it, but I have a feeling about it. I I'm irritated uh with a lot of the uh the talk around these videos. I'm I'm very irritated with them. Um, and I'll get to that. So not sure how much time I'll spend on that. I have my Matt Taibbi's latest thread on, um, from Twitter files, which I think is one of his more important ones because it has to do with, uh, how they set up the Russia collusion narrative, um, using fake research. So anyway, Um, that's kind of my plan for this morning and hopefully I have enough coffee to get me through it because today is definitely the day that I feel I can tell that I was up for 24 hours (laughs) this week and watching a race. (laughs) Totally worth it though. Totally worth it. Okay. Now, yeah, I need to go to this button. That's the one. That's the one. I do have something really interesting, which is like a half baked dig that we may get to, and it's just a half baked dig. So, but it's it's my my thinking from um my last show on Friday related to something has changed just a little bit, and I'll get to that in a little bit. I'll get that shortly. All right, so. Picking up on um, the PIDB, the Public Interest Declassification Board, remember that um, Ezra Cohen Watnick -Watnick, uh, is no longer the chair. He's still on the board for another year, but we were wondering who the chair would be. There wasn't an announcement of it. I did find that Alyssa M. Starzak is now the acting chair um now that he's not so now that ezra cohen Ezra Cohen is not the chair so um yeah it's alyssa m starzak now she's an appointee who was appointed by Chuck Schumer she was first appointed in twenty eighteen to serve a three year term um but then the p i d b members elected her as vice chair in twenty eighteen and extended her first three-year term through February 15, 2022. Then on February 1st, 2022, Schumer announced his intention to appoint her to a new three-year term that doesn't end until 2025. So it's Alyssa Starzak. That's who's the chair of the PIDB, but she's acting chair. She And it's pending Biden's appointment. So President, there's an appointment coming to the PIDB from President Biden. And it's somebody who's going to be chair. Um, So I'm very much watching out to see who it is that President Biden appoints. It might be super, super interesting because it could tell us just how controlled he is. Um, And if he appoints someone who is a, you know, like a, um, someone that comes from Trump's area, like, I'm just really interested. Like it's who's he going to appoint that. Um, I think it tells us a lot about the direction that the PIDB is going to go. Um. Anyway, I'm watching this space for Biden to announce someone. And with everything going on with classified documents and all of this stuff, um, that's just, that's just more of a reason to, to watch, to watch this space and see who Biden appoints to chair the PIDB. Um, yeah, everybody watching on Foxhole. Thank you for watching over there. If you prefer rumble, rumble was giving me trouble this morning. Um, but it's back up now. If you want to switch over there or stay on Foxhole, cause Foxhole is great. Um, I enjoy, I gotta say, I think Foxhole is a better platform than rumble. Sorry. Sorry Rumble, but not sorry. Your platform is inconsistent and has tons of problems and you have tons of money to spend on making it better and you don't do it. <laughs> we need playlists, we need moderators. We need chat to actually have like features. Um <laughs> could be so much better. Could be so much better. Uh but, you know, power slap and uh whatever else. All right. Next news, next news item prosecutors in SBF's uh, case want tighter bail conditions for him. Um, and you, you know, his, his bail conditions are, are fairly strict. I mean, he's, he's, he can only be at his parents' house or travel to New York for the purpose of going to court. And that's it. He, that's where he's locked into. Right. Um, but federal prosecutors, prosecutors are now asking the judge to restrict him more because they're concerned about trying to prevent him from tampering with the proceedings. They are looking to bar Bankman Freed from using encrypted messaging apps and limit his ability to speak with former colleagues at FTX and Alameda Research unless a lawyer is present. According to Reuters, federal prosecutors petitioned U.S. District Judge Lewis Kaplan on Friday to impose tougher restrictions, citing Bateman frieds quote, recent attempts to contact prospective witnesses. Um, Bateman Freed was caught sending a message via signal on January 15th to contact witness one later discovered to be the general counsel to FTX's American affiliate. In the message, he voiced his desire to have a constructive relationship or at least vet things with each other. Given the potential impact such conversations could have on the case, federal prosecutors deemed Bankman-Fried's actions particularly concerning and suggested contact with witnesses may intimidate them. This is, this is uh, not a good idea on SBF's part. To be using Signal and other apps to contact witnesses in the case. Um, Quote, the defendant's request to vet things with each other is suggestive of an effort to influence witness one's potential testimony. And the appeal to a constructive relationship likewise implies that witness one should align with the defendant. This is Samuel Bankman Freed trying to get witnesses in the case to say what he wants and get everybody on the same page This is witness tampering. He might get more charges. This guy's dumb. <laughs> like, like this guy is dumb. Not only is he posting spreadsheets to Twitter, um, posting spreadsheets to Twitter with accounting and all this information about where money went and didn't go he's also contacting other people who are going to appeal at the, on the trial and discussing Matt, the trial with them. Like this guy could really catch more charges out of this. Isn't like they're asking for tighter bail restrictions, but he might wind up in jail with more charges. And, Yeah, this guy's dumb. I know that some people have put the theory forth that maybe he was bait and he caught. This was some kind of sting where he caught people. Um, Yeah, I don't buy that at all. Um, I think. I think this dude's a real goober who hit on it big and is a is a
1: much less intelligent Bernie Madoff. All right. Uh yeah, Salt Muncher points out on Rumble that Rumble issues are often local. Like it depends
0: on what node you have. Yeah, that's very I've experienced that too. And you know, Rumble has had they were under a whole bunch of DDoS attacks last week. So I mean they are a target. Um so I wouldn't I would not be surprised if um SBF ends up in jail. All right, next piece of news. Trump has kicked off his twenty twenty four campaign now i haven't i didn't watch his campaign appearances, but trump has his brand new plane trump force one is has been repainted and refurbished and it's looking spiffy and uh trump took it to new New Hampshire and South carolina which are the um the first the first primaries in 2024, right? So Trump is already campaigning two years ahead. And I was thinking about this, about him starting his campaign so early. And I don't think it's because he's, I don't think it's because he's um, like, has concern about other challengers. Like he's trying to get out ahead of the other challengers who are um, going to try and, and win the primary. Because I think, I think almost all or all of the people who are going to challenge Trump in the primary are actually in the game. Like, I think they're, I think it's kayfabe. Um, I think that they're, they're doing it on purpose to draw the donor class out and to prevent someone from actually challenging. Like, cause like of the contingent of people who are going to go against Trump in the 2024 campaign, I think the best way to make sure they don't mount a significant challenge to him is to divide their support. So you have Pompeo run, you have Nikki Haley run, you have Pence run, maybe one or two others. And then the GOP establishment and the donors are divided in who they support. And no one challenger has um, a significant base of support. Um, Nikki Haley is one that I don't actually think is kayfabe. I don't think she's in on it. I think she is very much GOP establishment and, but Pence and Pompeo, I think they're absolutely working with Trump. And what'll happen is that they'll campaign against Trump for a little while, maybe have some debates and then they'll bow out and they'll endorse Trump. Um, so I don't even think it's going to matter that much. And I think they're very much willing to get beat up. For Trump, in the name of furthering his campaign and getting him back in office in 2024, but his campaign has started, so that's great. Um, it, what I the, one of the reasons I th- but one of the reasons I think he is starting so early is because this is just my hypothesis is that his campaign is going to. Um, he's, he's campaigning early to set up and run it along, run it parallel with what is happening in current events. So I think he's, he's, he's campaigning early because he's going to use it as a bully pulpit along to go along with the news, to go along with house, house investigations, which we're going to mention one here in a minute. So he's going to be on the campaign trail, going to rallies and events, and at those events, he's going to use that bully pulpit and use the attention um, and the setup of a campaign stop to talk about what's going on with House committee investigations, what's going on with Russia and Ukraine, um, what's going on with a number of other issues that are in the news. And this is how he's going to keep himself constantly relevant, constantly in the news cycle. So every time there's a development, uh, some big news items or event, Trump. Is going to have a rally or some campaign event near enough to that, that he's going to then talk about it at that event. And he's going to contrast himself and contrast what he would do or did do, or how he would handle it with how the Biden administration is handling it. And I think it's going to make it, I mean, it's going to be good for all the reasons that you can, it would obviously be good to get Trump's input on it, but it's, it's going to put him so far ahead of the others who are going to run against him where they're going to be trying to play catch up with him. And he's already going to have run this circuit and put out all these narratives and taken all these stances. And it'll always appear like they're trying to catch up to him. So people keep saying April fools in the chat. They were doing that last night on defected. We had an episode of defected last night. Um, There was about three hours long. Uh, There was a pretty good episode. And, um, People in chat kept saying April Fools. So apparently Trump said April Fools a bunch of times at the rallies. Um I don't know what that's about.
1: I I have no idea. No I have no idea at all. Um I don't know what to think.
0: I when it comes to DeSantis, people always ask. When it comes to Ron DeSantis, I very much want to believe it is kayfabe and that DeSantis is, uh, this, they're just, they're just doing this kayfabe thing. And DeSantis is getting a lot of support from Bushies and big money donors. And he is DeSantis is getting a lot of money from anti-Trump people and GOP establishment a lot. Um, the, the movement of GOP establishment to try
1: and get DeSantis to run against Trump in 2024 is real. When it comes to whether DeSantis is actually going to do it, I like to think that
0: DeSantis is smart enough to not do that. Um, I want to believe the best about DeSantis. Okay. Okay. I really, I really do. Um, but I, I can't help but have some concerns. So, but I, if there's no doubt in my mind that DeSantis has been chosen by the GOP establishment and by the anti-Trump contingent as their guy, and they are very much trying to push DeSantis out there as the anti-Trump,
1: um... So I I have concerns, I, ha- I have concerns,
0: and Trump calling him the sanctimonious,
1: Um I'm not sure. I'm not sure. We'll we'll see. Now he's
0: CNN is doing stories about how Trump is calling out his opponents, attacking Nikki Haley, and specifically attacking Ron DeSantis who DeSantis hasn't announced that he's going to run, but the push for him to run is very, very, very real. Um, And, you know, it could be that DeSantis is playing a very smart game here and he's letting them push him and he's not getting in the way of that. See, this is the thing about it. Like DeSantis isn't shutting down the 2024 talk. Even though when he ran for governor this last time, he promised he would serve his full term. Which would mean he wouldn't be running. And what makes the most sense for DeSantis is for him not to run in twenty twenty-four and to be the nominee in twenty twenty eight. To finish out his term as governor and then have Trump back back him for a twenty twenty eight run. Um but it's DeSantis is not shutting down this twenty twenty four talk. And Trump is attacking him and all the the donors are gathering around DeSantis and Hey, maybe the donors, part of the reason they're gathering around DeSantis is because Trump is bashing him. I can see both sides. This is definitely a a situation where I can look at this and I can make an argument to myself that this is kayfabe and here's the benefits of it. But I can also look at it and say, no, DeSantis is going to go against Trump and he's setting himself up to run against Trump. And uh, he's being courted by big money and he's got stars in his eyes and DeSantis isn't who we think he is. Look at his record on the 2020 election theft. Look at look at his record on red flag laws, um, a number of other issues.
1: So. I can, I can go both ways with it, which is why I'm, I'm not committed one way or the other. All
0: right. Another thing people were doing last night during the episode of Defected was they were putting in 1850 boxes, 1850 boxes. I kept seeing this in chat. And best I can figure, it comes back to this clip of Ted Cruz saying the FBI needs to go to the University of Delaware And search Joe Biden's boxes there.
1: Hold on just a moment. And go.
2: Hunter Biden is not an expert on Ukraine. He's not an expert on Eastern Europe. He's not an expert on Russia. But but that email did help get him on the board of Burisma, it did help get him paid $83,000 a month because it it showed a level of expertise not coming from him, but he was getting it from somewhere. That's clearly from some sort of briefing. We don't know whether it was a classified briefing or not, but that is the sort of analysis.
0: Oh, here, that's actually a really good question. OG Wiz asked in uh, Rumble Chat, what if DeSantis does run but only to collect the big bucks just to lose the nomination and then hand that money to Trump? One, I don't believe he can just hand the money to Trump. Um, There are a lot of restrictions about what you can do with campaign money, Um, but I don't think he can just give it to to Trump. Um, But the reason I don't think that DeSantis will run and do what Pompeo and Pence are going to do, which is gather some support and then endorse Trump, is because Pompeo and Pence are can take the damage from Trump, but they really are supporting Trump. That's the rut with DeSantis. If DeSantis runs against Trump, Trump is going to, Trump is going to beat him up. And I think it's going to damage DeSantis so much that he can't run in the future. Um, Like the reason it works with DeSantis, the reason this, this primary battle could work with Pence and Pompeo challenging Trump is because they're not so significant of a challenge that they really threaten Trump. But DeSantis would be a significant challenge. Now I think Trump would win. I'm not worried about it, but I think DeSantis would harm his own political career so much in doing so that I think it would be I think it'd be career suicide, whereas with Pompeo and Pence, I don't think they care about a future presidential run. I think they care about getting Trump back in office, and I would not be surprised to see them in his second administration at all. At all. I would not be surprised for Pompeo and Pence to serve again with Trump at all. In fact, I expect it. So. I think that's the difference there is that DeSantis. I think he would he would damage himself. Um we'll see. It is confusing. Um yeah, it's confusing. Thank you for the rumble rant, S Grouper. Thank you very much. I will keep up the great work. Much appreciated. Uh there was another rumble rant. Um T Neo Phoenix says that I rock and I open their eyes. I'm trying to keep my eyes open. I'm glad your eyes are open. Uh Yeah, you're welcome. Thank you. And then Rose Slash says something about Derek Johnson. I, I got to tell you, Derek Johnson is full of shit. <laughs> I should be more polite than that and respectful, but... um Uh, Derek Johnson is giving devolution a bad name and Derek Johnson is, uh, extremely inaccurate in what he says. Um, and, uh, I just don't have anything nice to say about Derek Johnson. I'm sorry. I just don't, um, you can count on me for honest answers. There they are. Uh ready to rumble Chris says good morning. What is the best way to support you? What methods are the best? The best way is buymeacoffee.com slash just human or subscribing to my Substack, justhuman.substack.com. And those links are in um, the description of the video over there on Rumble. And on any of my socials, you can find those leaks, links. Um those are the method, those are the best ways because they take the least amount, like the most amount of your dollar ends up going to me. Whereas with any other method, like a rumble rant or others, um, there's always, there's a, there's a big chunk that goes to rumble or goes to the other service. Whereas with buy me a coffee and Substack, they take a single digit percentage. Um, so those are the best ways. And I really appreciate it. That's how I'm able to do the show is, uh, is people, uh, being generous like that. So I really appreciate it. Okay. All right. Back to this clip. Um, back to this clip right here. It, uh, it's just me. Good morning. Thank you. Thank you very much for your support. Okay. Uh, let's go back to this Ted Cruz clip. Sorry. I interrupted it, but I wanted to catch
2: those. Hunter Biden yeah. is not an expert on Ukraine. He's not an expert on Eastern Europe. He's not an expert on Russia. But, but that email did help get him on the board of Burisma. It did help get him paid $83,000 a month because it, it showed a level of expertise not coming from him, but he was getting it from somewhere. That's clearly from some sort of briefing. We don't know whether it was a classified briefing or not, but that is the sort of analysis that is often within a classified briefing. And, and, and this email is unusual in the Hunter Biden emails. There, there, there's a level of, of scholarship and erudition that if it magically appeared, somehow it doesn't appear in the other emails he's sending. The obvious question is, what was he cutting and pasting from? What was his source? And it raises the natural inference that Hunter Biden had direct access to these classified documents. We do know, That Joe Biden, it seems everywhere they search for classified documents for Joe Biden, they find it. Whether it is Wilmington home, his Rehoboth Beach home, whether in his garage next to his Corvette, whether in the room next to his garage next to his Corvette, whether in the Penn Biden Center, it seems he leaves classified documents wherever he goes. And we also know that Hunter Biden at times was declared his residence to be those very same places. And so I believe the natural next step that is necessary is for the FBI to examine the 1,850-plus boxes of documents from Joe Biden's Senate tenure that's at the University of Delaware. And I also believe it is critical for the FBI to search Hunter Biden's homes, home and office residences to make sure there are no classified documents there. Given all the evidence that's piling up, we need to ascertain who's had access to what and when.
0: Dasting. I sure like the idea of the university of Delaware being searched and all of Joe Biden's records being searched. I like that idea. I like, I like the idea of all the presidents and vice presidents, uh, libraries or what closets,
1: whatever being searched. It sounds good to me. Um, I wonder if we
0: will get, a quote-unquote raid of Hunter Biden's residence—that'd be a lot of fun. There were so many. There were so many lefties who were praying that Don Jr. would be raided or Don Jr. needs to go to jail and all this stuff. Jared Kushner needs to go to jail. Everybody around Trump needs to go to jail, according to the left. Uh, wouldn't it be beautiful if? Instead of them getting a lot of uh, scrutiny from law enforcement, it was Biden's crime family who got a lot of scrutiny from law enforcement. And I'm still I'm still thinking that even though we're talking about marked classified documents that Biden had at the Penn Center and at um, his home, I'm still thinking that these documents are probably declassified. I just don't know that they were declassified when Joe Biden took them. But I, got, I, got, I kind of got this feeling that they've been declassified since then, probably by Trump, maybe by Bill Barr, and that that's going to make it where they can be entered in, and we can we're going to be able to see what they are. Um. They won't, there won't be a process to declassify them so they can be used in a court case. They'll already be declassified. I just kind of got this, this sense that I think they're, go- it's going to turn out they were declassified and the media is going to breathe this, this huge sigh of relief and try and tell their audience that it's okay, guys. They're declassified, blah, 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 blah. And then after that, it'll come out that Trump's were declassified too. And that'll blow up
1: their narrative that Trump had classified documents. This is a lot of fun. I love this. I
0: love this storyline that we're on with all this stuff. <laughs> um, I don't know. Hey, good morning, music and fiction and Howard. Good morning. I don't know anything about. The Santas and a bill mandating vaccines, but I'm going to go ahead and think that it's probably, probably fake news. Um, yeah, I think it's probably fake news. All right, let's uh, one more thing. One more thing right here. In fact, as I'm saying that, man, it makes so much sense. The media has been we've we've spun them around to where now they defended Biden and his docs but then immediately Pence had docs so they don't want to defend Pence and it makes a lot of sense that now it's going to swing back around where it's going to turn out that Biden's documents were declassified and the media is going to breathe a huge sigh of relief and they're going to tell their audience it's okay But Trump is still bad because his weren't. And then right afterward, it'll come out that Trump's were declassified, too. And there's no there there. It makes sense to go. It's going to spin those those ways. All right. So. Some good news out of the House Oversight Committee, a trio of former Twitter employees will appear before the House Oversight Committee for testimony on February 8th. The three unidentified ex-employees will testify before the committee about the social media platform's decision to censor a story on Hunter Biden's laptop that was published by the New York Post in 2020. Additionally, the committee will be looking for answers about classified documents that were found inside President Joe Biden's home located in Wilmington, Delaware. The classified documents were found in the president's garage, blah, 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 blah. So we have February 8th. February eighth, we're going to have three Twitter empl- ex Twitter employees speaking with the House Oversight Committee. Sweet, that should be good. Well, it should be. We'll see if it actually is. Um, hopefully it will be. But we've watched tw- we've watched Twitter employees testify to Congress before, and it, they the Congress people were mostly just trying to get sound bites. Hopefully this time they're actually going to focus on getting some information.
1: Good morning, JC Bird and Snarky. Good morning.
0: Okay, let's get to the topic I don't really want to talk about, but I feel compelled to talk about because I spent so much time on it when it first happened.
1: We finally got body cam video and surveillance video
0: of David DePape. Um, or DPAP, uh, going into the Pelosi home. So let's watch him breaking in first, because when this story first broke, this is what a lot of people keyed in on, is that it doesn't look like he actually broke in, it looked like he was trying to get out. And there were all sorts of silly, nonsensical, and even stupid theories about how he's a gay lover and, Paul Pelosi held him hostage and he was trying to break out of the home. That's why there's glass outside the door. And I was like, no guys, he, when you break glass, glass goes multiple directions, glass breaks and shatters and goes different directions. And there's glass on both sides of the door. Um, and it looked to me like he used a hammer and he used the hammer to break the glass and also to pull the glass in order to make an opening. So, now we have footage of him breaking in. He brings over, it looks like two, maybe three backpacks because that first backpack, it looked like he was actually holding two in his hand. Um, See right there? Or maybe it's a jug of water or something. It's like a jug.
1: There's definitely two items in that hand. You see that? Let me back up a bit. And if you recall, when we were studying this incident. We looked at the Pelosi's home on Google. Yeah, there's
0: two items in this hand. Like, looks like one's a jug and one is a backpack right there. Um, so we looked at, and there's another backpack. So we looked at this and noticed on Google Street View, it looked like it would be pretty easy just to go into the Pelosi's backyard. Like, this isn't a gated community area. It isn't anything like that. It's There's a fence around this side of the property, and you could pretty easily just hop over it. Um, which is kind of surprising, but that's, that's it. I mean, that's how it was. So pulls out here. He's going to put gloves on and pull out a hammer and break it. Now, what I think a lot of people have gone wrong with this entire incident is that so many people have started out with the premise before before any evidence, before gathering any evidence whatsoever, people have come at this as it's fake, it's staged, and like the whole like that has been there. He is breaking the door, he starts hitting it with the hammer, and see so he pulls right there, pulls right there. Now he's smashing it down. He reaches in to try and open, but he can't open it. So now he's now see, look at those hammer blows. Those hammer blows are throwing glass. You can actually see some glass start reflecting down here. The way those hammer strikes are coming down like this, he's smashing the glass down. So there's going to be glass on either side of the door. So anyway, what, in my opinion, is that people have, since we, since this incident first happened, um, people have come at their analysis of this from completely biased sides. And instead of letting the evidence indicate what direction we should go. So people on the left and the MSM, they have come at this with the angle that this guy is QAnon crazy dude who tried to attack Pelosi. And they've tried to paint him as a conspiracy theorist on the right and QAnon and all that stuff. Okay. And they're wrong. We know from earlier analysis that the websites he's associated with suddenly went active after years of not being active at all. And that it looked like a total frame up job where they were setting this guy up and trying to create a background of him being some sort of QAnon conspiracy theorist who went, who turned violent instead of being what he actually is, which is just a crazy person. I mean, just a crazy person. Um, but that's the angle the MSM look took, and they, they, they're completely biased and they're flawed in their analysis of this incident. But I've noticed a lot of people on the right are also flawed in their analysis of this incident because they're coming at it, not believing anything, and deciding at the very – as soon as this news story broke, people decided, nope, this is some sort of gay lover's quarrel. He never actually broke in he was held hostage. There's dildos involved. He's just a gigolo. Um, this is, they were having a party and like all sorts of crazy theories about it that aren't based on evidence that are actually based on entertainment more than anything. I really feel like that's good advice. Salt muncher. That's good advice. Never trust a fat crackhead. That is good advice. Um, I really feel like people on the right, that Anons and others, are their analysis of this incident is being driven more by entertainment than facts and evidence. I feel like people are looking for things that are entertaining and they're they're really stretching to find inconsistencies and suspicious aspects of this incident instead of just basing their analysis on what the information is right here. So, and that's frustrating to me because I think we should be better than that. Um, That's my opinion, and I know a lot of people don't agree with me. I know that a lot of people think that we're being lied to about this incident and that this is staged. I saw some people like posting images of this video saying it's been altered and the images they were posting had been altered, not the video. The video hasn't been altered. The video, the images they're posting have been altered. And then they're comparing those altered images to the video and saying, look, they messed with the video. It's not even the same guy. It's not the same clothes. Like it's just it's just ridiculous. Uh so anyway, the one of the first things that people pointed out at the very beginning was that he didn't actually break in and they tried to say there was something funky going on with the glass and the break in, but there we go. Here it is. He's breaking in. Nothing nothing strange about that. I mean, like, there's nothing inconsistent with what the reports are. So I read y'all the um the police reports at the beginning and in the FBI affidavit about him, um, in this incident. And so far what we see right here, this is consistent with what the police, uh, reporting was. And, uh, it's consistent with the evidence is consistent. And yeah, he comes over there. He's a psycho crazy dude. And he broke into the Pelosi's home from the back door, just like we were told at the beginning. Now, Here is the police body cam footage, which is graphic, but it's not super graphic. Um, Let me uh, go ahead and play it with audio. Yeah, I'm gonna play it with audio here at the very beginning. We're gonna watch this more than once. Are you sure this one? Yeah. Fucking said
3: 2620,
4: right? No, 2640.
3: Yeah, it literally said that. Hi. How you doing? Oh, yeah. What's going on, man? Everything's good. Hi. Drop the hammer. Um, nope. Hey. Hey, hey, hey. What is going on right now? I'm not getting
4: any answer on prophet. Oh, Oh, shit. Get on, Michael.
2: Ever Edward, fourteen, ever send backup code three.
4: Code three, backup at two six. Give me your fucking hand. Give me your fucking hand. Ever 14,
3: <laughs> Edward, fourteen, Edwards send
2: medics code three as well.
0: Okay, now we're going to back up. First thing I noticed, tape on the doors, right on the windows right here. So that looks like painter's tape. There was, um, I pointed out in the first like overhead videos we got and images we got from when the break-in was and this incident first happened, they looked like there were some construction supplies in the background. And this is consistent with that. It looks like there's some sort of home remodeling going on. Um, they've been painting. And so we see this. That's why there's blue tape right here. There's some uh, remodeling going on of the home. I'm going to play this without audio. So they knock on the door right here. This other person I've seen reported that standing right here is another security guard for a different property is my information. Um there is a light right there. I think that might be the police cruiser is parked right there. You can see those
1: lights. So the officer turns around waiting for the uh,
0: the door to be opened. And a lot of people are keying in on who opened the door, who opened the door. And the police, one police report said that, the cops open a door. Another report said that Paul opened the door. It looks to me to be consistent with Paul opening the door. But we don't actually see that action happen. The officer turns around and it looks to me like one, that Paul opened it. Possibly De took his hand off the hammer and pulled in the door. But The best information I have seen, the best hypothesis I have seen of why this door opens the way it does is that this is an automatic door. And if you listen, when the door opens, you will hear a tone. And I'm not, I don't know for sure that that's the tone of the automatic door, but I think it's an automatic door. Somebody suggested this to me in true social comments. And linked a video to an automatic door, and it makes this is exactly how an automatic door opens. Oh. Listen for the tone.
3: Hi, how you doing?
0: See how it opens all the way, and you hear that tone, boom, as it opens. That makes a lot of sense because Paul Pelosi has one hand on the hammer and then he has a beverage in his other hand. So these automatic doors, you just punch in a code or you hit a button from the inside and the door opens automatically and it opens fully. So I think that's, I think that's what this is, is that he, it's an automatic door and he, he triggered the opening of the door and it opens all the way. Hi, how you doing? What's going on, man? So now the next thing that people are really kicking in on is why does Paul have a beverage in his hand? Why doesn't he have pants on? Um, why are they just standing there to understand all that? I think you got to back up to the nine one one phone call. And I saw people asking me to play it. Um, I don't remember. Did I bookmark it? I listened to it earlier. Hold on just a moment. I'll grab, I'll grab the nine one one call. Because we should listen to it because that guy released two before we just we had the dispatchers call and there was a bunch of confusion from the dispatcher phone call because the dispatcher relays um contradictory information. The dispatcher says that that he calls in and he calls the guy a friend, but says he doesn't know him. And so people start saying, see, see, Paul Pelosi knew this guy. He was his gay lover and all sorts of insane things, which just drive me nuts, guys. I'm sorry, but it just drives me nuts that people are making these leaps. And I think people are so far over their skis in their analysis of this, and it can it the most simple of explanations just make a lot of sense and the evidence in this case makes a lot of sense we don't need to go through these exercises of these these outlandish claims we don't need to like it's it's just not it's just not necessary there's um listen to this listen to this 911 call now, I remember the setup is that Pape has broken in in the middle of the night, and he's woken Paul up. And he's told Paul that he's going to wait for Nancy Pelosi to come there because he wants to ask her questions. And if she doesn't answer the questions the way he wants to, he wants her to, then he's going to start hurting her. And so Paul manages to call 911. And... Do you think he's going to call nine one one and scream help 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 I'm under attack There's an intruder in my home Wouldn't it be a very good idea The guy's holding a hammer He's probably going to beat you to death if you do that So instead, this is how Paul handles the phone call.
3: thousand twenty two. Oh, I guess I, I guess
0: I I Oh, by the way, um, run, bike, swim, girl. Good morning, and yes, it is absolutely okay for y'all to disagree with me. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. It is totally cool for you all to disagree with me. Um, hundred percent. Y'all are welcome to disagree with me, and yeah, y'all. Are, that's totally cool. Like, I'm not going to be upset about that, and uh, I hope y'all won't be upset with me for disagreeing with what a lot of people think about this, and and disagreeing with some of y'all in chat. Three what is eighteen
3: it? seconds. This is San Francisco Police. Do you need help? Oh, what is a gentleman? Here just waiting for my wife to come back. Nancy Pelosi. twenty three and he's just uh, waiting for seconds. her to come back because she's not gonna be here for a day, so I guess we'll have to wait. Zero. Okay, do you need please fire a medical for anything?
4: Eight seconds.
3: Uh I, I I don't think so. I don't think so. Zero, two,
4: twenty,
3: three, and oh. eight seconds. Uh, there, there's the uh um, is the Capitol Police around? No, this they, is San Francisco. They usually protect my wife. They're, usually here, they're usually here at the house protecting my wife. Uh, no, this is San Francisco Police. Friday.
0: Buster Lou, you got it. Paul Pelosi is trying to alert them to the situation without actually spelling it out in a way that gets him beat up by DePape.
3: I, I, no, I understand. Um, okay, well,
4: uh, I don't what do you think?
3: Uh, he thinks everything's good. Uh, I've got a problem, but he thinks everything's good. Uh, okay, call us back if you need your eight No, 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 this, this gentleman just, uh, came into the house, uh, and he wants to wait here for my wife to come home and so uh anyway, he told and to Anyway, his phone down. do you know who the person is? No, I don't know who he is. He he uh uh he has this He's telling me, he me not to uh he's telling me not to do anything. What is your address, sir? Uh twenty six
4: two, twenty five and zero. What is your name? Seconds.
3: Uh my name is Paul Pelosi.
4: Anyway, this this
3: gentleman says that uh, he thinks everything he ought to, you know, he's telling me to put the phone down and uh, just do what he says. Okay? Okay, who, what's the gentleman's name? I don't know. What's that? My name's David. The name is David. Okay, and who is David? I don't know. What's that? I'm a friend of theirs. Yeah, I, I. uh, See,
0: there, there's where the confusion came in with that first report about Paul Pelosi saying he was a friend. Paul Pelosi didn't say that. David said, I'm a friend. And then Paul says, I don't know him. And that was part of the reporting at the very beginning that got people confused is because the dispatcher's call to the responders was, Caller says that it's a friend, but he sounds
3: confused. Um, he says he's a friend, but... As so I said, you never, but you don't know who he
4: is? 20, no, no, ma'am. Eight seconds.
3: Okay. He's telling me I'm being very leading, so I've got to stop zero talking to you, okay? 20, okay. 20, you sure I can seconds. stay on the phone with you just to make sure everything's okay? No, he wants me he must to get that all off the phone. Zero, two, 20,
4: okay? Six okay. And zero, eight Thank you. Seconds. Okay.
1: In
0: my opinion... That is a call from an elderly man who has an intruder in their home who has said that they want to wait for his wife to come home and they're willing to do violence to her. And he has managed to call 911, but he's been caught calling 911. So he doesn't want to make the situation worse for himself. If he starts ranting into the phone that Help, help, help. You know, if he starts doing that, then he's gonna get attacked, most likely. So instead, what he's doing, and he's just try he's trying to convey the message to the dispatcher I mean, need help, but he can't literally verbalize that. And so that's what he's trying that's what he's trying to do here is convey the information the dispatcher needs to send, an officers, send officers to respond without also upsetting this crazy person who is standing there next to him with a hammer. Jonathan Turley made this point, and I totally agree. The 911 tape just played, it is perfectly bizarre. Pelosi is clearly trying to convey alarm without angering DePape, who tells him to put the phone down. Pelosi is trying to convey who he is by referencing the Capitol Police and his wife. The operator at one point says that he should call back if there is a problem and Pelosi quickly tries to keep her on the line. It is astonishing that the references to Nancy Pelosi and the Capitol Police was not sufficient, but it was clearly not being picked up by the operator. It is heart-wrenching to hear Pelosi try to keep his clearly unstable person at bay while signaling to the operator that this is the home of a protected person. Indeed, someone who is third in line to the presidency. One would hope that a home of a protected person would not only be monitored by the Capitol police, but the local police. Frankly, Paul Pelosi showed enormous control and calmness in the face of a horrific situation. I totally agree with that. You don't have to have a, you don't have to hold Paul Pelosi in high regard. You don't have to think that he's like a great guy or something like To recognize that he did a pretty good job in a very, very dangerous situation here. So, when we get to this moment where the cops do arrive, Paul, it appears to me that Paul is wearing a, um, like a pajama shirt. You can see like when the light comes on, it's striped like that. It's not like he's wearing a dress shirt. I saw some people say he was wearing a dress shirt I don't think so I think this is a pajama shirt and um he does have a, a glass in his hand. I don't know what the glass in the hand is about um there we go it's possible that he took DePape to the kid see he may have made an excuse right what what is what does Paul need put put yourself in his shoes okay you're upstairs in the bedroom and you got this crazy person. How can you get this crazy person downstairs near the front door so that you can open it for police? How can you get, you need, now that he's called, now that he's contacted 911 and he's hoping that police respond, right? He now needs to get himself to the door so that he can open it for the police. So what do you do? Perhaps he invited David DePape to get a beverage. Perhaps he told him, I need to I need to get a glass of water. I need to get a beverage. I need to get some medicine. I need to something. He had to find some way. So I'm just hypothesizing that possibly he has a beverage in his hand because that was the ploy he used to get David DePape downstairs and get near enough to the door that the, he could open it when the cops knocked. I don't know that that's true. Okay. I don't know that that's true. I'm just speculating that that might explain why he has a drink in his hand, because he would definitely need, that makes sense to me. I don't know that that is, that is it. We may learn it's something different, but could be, um, when the door opens, the cop's like, hey, what's going on? And David DePape immediately is like, nothing. Like he wants the cops to go away. He, sh- he is not. He's not pleased to see the cops here.
3: Hi, hey guys. how you doing? How are you? What's going on, man? Everything's good.
0: He says everything's good. <laughs> everything's good. Nothing funny going on here.
3: Hi. Drop the hammer. Um, nope. Hey.
0: Drop the hammer. Um, nope. And Paul says, hey, and Paul's trying to wrestle it away from him. Hey, hey,
4: hey. What is going Sorry, on? I'm yet? not getting
0: an answer. I I imagine that it makes sense to me that this whole time Paul Pelosi has managed to keep David DePape from doing what he's about to do. He's kept he's kept him calm enough that he could survive. He's doing what he needed to do to survive this situation as best he could. When the cops first open the door, he probably wants to run to them, right? Like I'm sure he wants to run to them. But within seconds, the cops recognize the hammer and ask David DePape to put it down, and DePape immediately starts struggling. So now Paul has to try and get away. Now, now we have violence.
4: Oh, 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 shit.
0: Now, after he gets hit, the officers come in and he falls on the ground. The officers tackle him. You do hear snoring in the latter part of the video. That is because that's because um, Paul Pelosi has been knocked out and it's mechanical breathing. Um, He just got hit in the head with a hammer and ended up needing surgery. So that's why you hear the the snoring um, back there is that Paul is unconscious and it's mechanical breathing. I believe. Um, so now people have tried to say all sorts of things about this video that it's staged. Who opened the door? It doesn't make any sense. There's another person there who is opening the door. Why didn't Paul run? Why does he have a drink in his hand? Where is pants? Like all this stuff. And to me, all of this, all of this can be pretty easily explained. Um, if there was if there was evidence here if there was indicate there were indicators here that made me think this wasn't what it appeared to be um that made me think that made me think that there there was something screwy going on here okay i would be willing to entertain those and to investigate those but i'm i'm just not seeing them And I know a lot of other people do, and I know that, or at least I feel like I'm in the minority here by thinking this incident is exactly what, or pretty much substantially, what it appeared to be, according to police reports. It's consistent with what the police reports were. Um, What I think is screwy, what I think is um, staged about this, what I think is um no what's odd and what I think deserves a lot of scrutiny is David dePape himself and his background and everything leading up to this incident um and that's that's kind of my one of my my rubs here that I that gets me a little irritated is that I think that we're spending way too much time Looking for things that are suspicious about this part of the incident, instead of looking into him, instead of looking into David DePape, um, I think he. My hypothesis, and I think what is consistent with him, his role here is that he is MK Ultra. I think that he is in K Ultra and he was activated to attack the Pelosi's. And remember this is the second incident with Paul Pelosi that has happened in a number of months. Um we had we had that uh the drunk driving incident which was something kind of weird about that. And uh the video has been released of Paul Pelosi during that and he was drunk. Um but this is the second incident and it's another strange incident and i just my sense of things is that the pelosis are under threat in some way um and i think this guy's mk ultra and he was activated to go after paul pelosi after to threaten the pelosis because i think they're trying to get pelosi to resign early um so that's is what i think and uh yeah, that's what I think about this incident. A lot of stuff, a lot of things about it that people find really curious and raises their suspens- suspicion about it. I, it,
1: it, that, I don't, it doesn't, um, I don't have that. Um, Howard, thank you very much.
0: And uh, Rose slash, they say, do you Depape news reply sounds like a script? Yeah, d- um, Depape when he called the the news radio, there's a recording of him calling a news radio station. Totally sounds like a script. Um, yeah, pushing civil war narrative. I don't know about civil war. Yeah, yeah, from Pape's angle, yeah, he's it, it really he really comes off to me like this crazy, um, a crazy person who has been manipulated into believing a number of things that are not congruent. His conspiracy theories, um, don't make sense. And it doesn't. Yeah. There, there's something, there's something so off about it. um, So, And then you go back with um, how all those websites popped up that were attributed to him right before this incident. Um, Yeah, it's bizarre. So he's bizarre and he deserves scrutiny. And I think that's why the MSM, you know, the MSM totally went to, he's a QAnon conspiracy theorist who was, you know, driven by, Conspiracy theories that Trump put out and MTG put out and QAnon, whatever. Um, so I th- I think that was the play here, was to have a crazy person go and do something like this and then blame QAnon. Um, right before the midterms,
1: too. Okay. I want to move on
0: because... Um, I got other topics and ultimately I like part of me feels like this is a distraction, but I don't feel the incident is a distraction. I feel like the news reporting on both sides around it is a distraction. Like that's the distraction, but I don't feel like the incident itself is a distraction. I feel like the incident is merits paying attention to it, but the news reporting around it is the distraction.
1: So, all right, we're going to move on. So, last week
0: on Friday we covered that New York Times hit piece on Durham. And one of the things that I drew out of it that I thought was the most pretty much the only substantive thing in it. Um was about George Soros and how Durham ended up putting before a grand jury at least one exec from George Soros's open society foundation just huge news i mean that's that's huge news that Durham actually got people from the George Soros's foundation to come and appear before a grand jury. That's huge, and it's amazing that this story had been hidden for so long and nobody had leaked this out. The reason it's leaked out is because, it seems, um, his defense attorneys decided to let the Times know about it, not because Durham has leaks. Okay, That's another thing about this story I didn't make super clear is that this story isn't based on leaks from Durham. This story is based on um, defense attorneys who have represented people who appeared before Durham's grand juries or have been interviewed and then also some people in the intelligence community who, of course, have a bone to grind or an axe to grind or whatever. Um, but Dawson made a comment. He made a couple of them that are good. Uh, the first one, he points out that the the fake news tell is this line right here that appears to have been another dead end. Um, the guy that Durham called in was Mr. Bernardo, who is a, an executive at the Open Society Foundation. Um. The fact that they said the results appear to have been another dead end. That's the fake news tale. They wouldn't know whether they were substantive or not. They're just saying it's a dead end because they haven't
1: seen something come up so far. Um, the, The interesting thing that Dawson pointed out to me
0: is that. What if they are not investigating Bernardo, the guy they called in, or Debbie Wasserman Schultz? Okay. Cause they called them in about having to do with some emails. They wanted to ask Bernardo about his emails. And in a statement provided to the Times, Mr. Soros's foundation, um, by Mr. Soros's foundation, Mr. Bernardo reiterated that he never met or corresponded with Ms. Wasserman Schultz and that if such documents exist, it's made up. So why did Durham want to interview this guy? And Dawson brought up what if he wanted to interview him because not of these emails exactly, but because of the rent rentaria memo or the rentaria memo. I actually don't know how to pronounce this memo. Hold on just a moment. How do I pronounce this? I'm gonna look it up. I'm gonna stop you guys from making fun of me. And I'm going to listen to someone else say it. Renteria. Renteria. All right. So I'm saying it with the way the internet tells me to pronounce it. Okay. So the Renteria memo. Um, the Renteria memo is old news. And I think a lot of people have probably forgotten about it. Um. But what if he was in, what if Durham was after the Renteria memo? and looking for anything to back it up what if he's interested in Joffy or Awan having to do something having to do with that in some way which gets quite interesting when you realize that Imran Awan had a laptop that was a that had a fake Debbie Wasserman Schultz account and email on it did Awan send that email to trigger the Rentaria memo a memo that accused Comey of trying to rig the 2016 election for the GOP by framing Hillary for her document scandal. And if you've forgotten about this memo, the Clinton Foundation timeline has some news reporting on it. Just a second. I'm going to open up both of these. So what we're trying to figure out here is what might motivate Durham to contact the George Soros Open Society Foundation. March 1st, 2016, the FBI is given a Russian intel doc citing an email that suggests A.G. Lynch assured a Clinton aide she would not let the email investigation go too far. In the midst of the 2016 presidential election or presidential primary season, The FBI received what was described as a Russian intelligence document claiming a tacit understanding between the Clinton campaign and the Justice Department over the inquiry into whether she intentionally revealed classified information through her use of a private, private email server. The Russian document, which has never been released. Okay. We, we don't have this memo. Um, The Russian document cited a supposed email describing how then Attorney General Loretta E. Lynch had privately assured someone in the Clinton campaign that the email investigation would not push too deeply into the matter. If true, the revelation of such an understanding would have undermined the integrity of the FBI's investigation. Current and former officials have said that Comey relied on the document in making his July decision to announce on his own without Justice Department involvement, that the investigation was over. That public announcement, in which he criticized Clinton and made extensive comments about the evidence, set in motion a chain of other FBI moves that Democrats now say helped Trump win the presidential election. The document obtained by the FBI was a piece of purported analysis by Russian intelligence, the people said. It referred to an email supposedly written by the then chair of the DNC Rep Debbie Wasserman Schultz and sent to Leonard Bernardo or Leonard Bernardo an official with the Open Society Foundation an organization founded by billionaire George Soros. The Russian document did not contain a copy of the email but it described some of the contents of the purported message. In the supposed email, Watchman Schultz claimed Lynch had been in private communication with a senior Clinton campaign staffer named Amanda Renteria during the campaign. The document indicated Lynch had told Renteria that she would not let the FBI investigation into Clinton go too far, according to people familiar with it. Current and former officials have argued that the secret document gave Comey good reason to take take the extraordinary step over the summer of announcing the findings of the Clinton investigation himself without Justice Department involvement. From the moment the Bureau received the document from a source in early March 2016, its veracity was the subject of an internal debate at the FBI. Several people familiar with the matter said the Bureau's doubts about the document hardened in August when officials became more certain that there was nothing to substantiate the claims in the Russian document. The FBI FBI officials knew the Bureau never had the underlying email with the explosive allegation if it ever existed. Okay. December 7th, 2018. Comey is questioned about secret memo on Lynch ahead of testimony and states he believes the Russian intel is genuine. But questions the accuracy. A controversial and classified document alleging potential misconduct by former Attorney General Loretta Lynch resurfaced on December 7th, suggesting lawmakers may press Lynch about the memo during her own deposition. While the contents of the document remain classified, and they still are, or at least if they've been declassified, they haven't been published, the media leaks suggested includes an email from then chair DN- of the DNC, Debbie Wasserman Schultz, to Leonard Bernardo of the Open Society Foundation. The nonprofit organization run by Billionaire Soros. The email shows Lynch assured the Clinton campaign staffer. We just read all that. Comey said the document was one of the factors that led him to break from established protocol and announce the exoneration of Clinton in a press conference. During his transcribed deposition, On Capitol Hill on December 9th, Comey answered questions about the document to both Democrat and and a Republican. Quote, I've tried to be very careful in public comments about this. There was material that had not been verified that I believed if it became public would be used to cast doubt on whether the attorney general had acted appropriately with respect to the investigation. Comey said in response to a question from Rep. John Ratcliffe, who later became DNI. And the document on December 9th, quote, I don't think I'm allowed to go beyond that in characterizing the material. Quote, so far as I knew at the time, and I still think, the material itself was genuine, which is a separate question, though, from whether what
1: it said was accurate. So Comey is saying that This email, as far as he can tell, is genuine, but he's not sure if what it says is accurate. And that he can't speak more about it because he's not allowed to because it's classified. But
0: there was material that had not been verified that I believed if it became public would be used to cast doubt on whether the attorney general, that would be Loretta Lynch had acted appropriately with
1: respect to the investigation. So what if the reason
0: that Durham wanted to speak and put before a grand jury, Leonard Bernardo, is not because Durham is after George Soros, but because Durham is investigating this email. He wants to, he's trying to invest, he's trying to run down this allegation, this report, this material that says that Loretta Lynch communicated to the DNC that she would protect Hillary from the email
1: Clinton email investigation. She wouldn't let it go too far. And if you
0: don't know the reason Comey shut down the email investigation in July and made that press conference, which it's key to understand Comey did not communicate with the attorney general when he made that move. When he, when he gave that press conference and he shut down the email investigation, he didn't do that because Loretta Lynch told him to. He did it so that he could keep control of that investigation. He shut it down because that meant that it stayed within the FBI. And then he reopened it later. If he hadn't done that, Loretta Lynch could have taken it away from him. The other thing is that Loretta Lynch was asked if, if in order to get charges against Clinton, Loretta Lynch set the bar at proving intent. So in order to prove that if they were going to charge Hillary Clinton over her email scandal, they had to prove that she intentionally. handled had the classified info on there for people to get access to it. And. That's a really high bar. That's a really high bar so that takes a lot more investigating to be able to improve, to prove that Hillary Clinton intentionally had those emails on that server and had those documents on that server because she wanted others to be able to access it. That it wasn't reckless, that it wasn't mistake, that it wasn't sloppiness, all that kind of stuff. You know, that's negligence. It had to go beyond negligence and prove intent. So now Imran Awan. Just a refresher, in case you've forgotten about this guy. This Imran Awan later got a deal, but this is from September seventh, twenty seventeen. Prosecutors have given Imran Awan a copy of a hard drive of the house laptop that Reby, Rep Debbie Wasserman Schultz tried to keep law enforcement from looking at. Court filings show, suggesting prosecutors intend to bring charges related to the underlying cybersecurity and theft probe. The hard drive copy was included in Discovery, even though the Florida Democrat has said the laptop contains House information on it and is a government-paid work computer, and even though Imran was fired and banned from the House network because of suspected cybersecurity violations. Imran left the laptop with the username rep DWS in a phone booth in circumstances that suggest that it was not accidentally forgotten there. Alongside it, he left a copy of his ID and letters to the U.S. attorney that ensured it would be treated as evidence instead of simply returned to it as a missing laptop. Imran entered a house office building the night of April 6, two months after he was banned by house authorities from touching its network and placed the laptop, a copy of his ID, and letters to a U.S. attorney in a phone booth, according to a police report. There would be little reason to enter the phone booth, and it would be difficult to forget items there. Imran also left in the phone booth a notebook that said attorney-client privilege, which could be a reason why prosecutors gave Imran's lawyer a copy of what could be Wasserman Schultz's laptop. Prosecutors said that they were giving him a copy under the legal process of discovery. In which defendants have a right to evidence being used against them. He has only been charged with the bank fraud screams, bank fraud crimes related to trying to flee the country with cash, cash, which is why its inclusion in Discovery suggests prosecutors intend to bring charges related to the underlying cybersecurity and theft probe. Emron's lawyer Wasserman Schultz and many in the media have said the misconduct involving Emron goes no further than bank fraud, but the timeline makes clear that a serious criminal investigation into those house issues was the impetus for those moves. And the notebook also included case details and letters about the apparent owner of the bag being investigated well before he was accused of bank fraud. Now, the reason I'm bringing up this article specifically is one, it recounts what Imran did with that phone booth, but that it, this goes more. This is more than bank fraud. And Imran Awan eventually got a deal. He eventually got a deal and it all got buried and hasn't been a peep about him since.
1: Just disappeared.
4: The
0: thing is, Imran had access to all the emails and files and owned dozens of House Democrats. And the bizarre refusal of members of Congress to criticize Imran, no matter how many suspicious actions are tied to him, raises questions about whether members may be afraid that he could release their emails if they assist in his prosecution. Or that some could implicate um implicate him in kickback schemes or they could be implicated in kickback schemes involving disappearing equipment and ghost employees Now Imran was running running this scheme where he was faking Debbie, Debbie Wasserman Schultz's email By the way by phone booth they mean they mean this this right here this room not like a a red phone booth out on the street they're talking about this right here uh, a a phone room
1: So what if the reason Dawson or the
0: reason that Durham was talking to Bernardo is because he's trying to track down these emails that supposedly are between Debbie Wasserman Schultz and Bernardo and somebody in the DNC about Loretta Lynch. But what if they're not, What if it relates back to Imran Awan and his emails? Did he fake the email or is that part of the blackmail material he has? Did he get a deal because he had all that evidence on the DNC and on members in the DNC and what was going on with Russia collusion because... Everything, everything goes back to Spygate and Russiagate. Like, all this stuff goes back to how they were trying to frame Trump for Russia collusion. And we know from Comey, and we know from Ratcliffe, that this allegation that there was some sort of arrangement between Lynch and the Clinton campaign...
1: It's There's something to that. There's a there there.
0: And Comey put that in a memo. Which said. That they had intelligence. That there was an arrangement. That there was an arrangement. With the Hillary Clinton campaign. To frame Donald Trump. That they had a scheme. To frame Donald Trump. For rigging the 2016 election. That Hillary Clinton approved it. And part of that. Comey said he relied on this document in making his July decision to, one, close the investigation or say the investigation was over. But then he, right after that, he puts out this document saying they have intel that there was this plan. And then Ratcliffe declassifies it in September of 2020.
1: And then now we have Durham putting Bernardo before grand jury. Oh, good morning, Karma Patriot.
0: Yeah, Karma Patriot has been on the M Awan uh uh roller coaster ride or whatever you want to phrase it as, and she's all over this topic. She says it's her very favorite topic. And that she says that look, Imran Awan is a Pakistani intelligence and he had so much blackmail material, he could control the White
1: House, according to his dad. Karma's got tons of stuff on Imran Awan. And for fun, for fun.
0: Let's go to Q alerts.
1: Let's type in a one. That one we don't need. That one. Unless it's a Delta. No, it's not Delta. Okay. Swamp runs deep.
0: DNC servers hold many answers. Scaramucci model. DNI and NSA, Awan, DWS, Debbie Wasserman Schultz, Democrats Congress, House of Cards.
1: You didn't think the plea deal was the end, did you? Oh, that Daily Wire article's gone. Remember, Awan
0: got a plea deal, but that's not the end. He got a plea deal for a reason. The Department of Justice said this month that it could not release records on Democrat technology aid, Imran Awan Due to technical difficulties, but later admitted in court documents that it could not release records on him because there is a secret ongoing
1: case related to the matter. These internal infiltration
0: issues with protecting national security, are they deliberate? Do you believe in coincidences? The F Chinese spy inserted 20 plus years. Imran Awan IT scandal. Omar paid F agent, foreign agent. Clinton server,
1: China relay. Hmm. From July 3rd, 2018, Anand's
0: law fag here, re Awan. Anand's already figured this out, but I can add that I have suspected for some time that the state charges were just a delay tactic until the main indictments are unsealed. It is also possible, or even likely given the way they treated Awan, that he will be a prosecution witness. Since they would have never let him wonder otherwise. Lots more winning in store. I'm enjoying the movie. Matters of national security is Q's reply and links to this. Criminal Justice Minute synopsis of Classified Information Procedures Act (CIPA). He links to CIPA. But it's all classified. And saying, look, yeah, these proceed. What's going on right in here with wand and that investigation is classified.
1: Classified investigations. This drop right here, 1981, is from August
0: 29, 2018. What if the paper trail exists? PDB via no such agency. Hussein made aware with no action. Why did POTUS refuse select PD, presidential daily briefings, PDBs, during transition? Who knew? Threat assessment. Admiral Rogers, Flynn. Why did Hussein and HRC and admin and staff use private emails to communicate? Was HRC the only one to use unsecured servers? If access was granted in reference to HRC's private servers, can you assume access was granted to house servers? Re Awan. From Awan
1: to Pakistani intelligence, is Awan free? Yeah, that's right. They used private servers because they were breaking the law. That's right. That's absolutely right. Karma says Trump withheld Pakistan funding because of national security issue, issues. Eventually
0: issue was resolved and finding released. I think a one was the issue Trump resolved. Hussein
1: hired a brothers. Muslim brotherhood. Trump,
0: our Justice Department must not let Awan and Debbie Wasserman Schultz off the hook. The Democrat IT scandal is a key to much of the corruption we see today. They want to make a plea deal to hide what is on their server. Where is the server? It's really bad. Logical thinking why was the case against Awan filed under bank fraud? The result today is bank fraud. But see last connect the Trump the swamp is being drained. Now it says see last this is sixteen seventy two, so let's last let's go to sixteen seventy one because I think that's what it's wanting us to do. Sixteen seventy one
1: over here. No, let's do sixteen seventy one. Sixteen seventy one.
0: Breaking, I'm at the federal courthouse, and it seems that Imran Awan's plea deal says that he cannot be charged with any previous nonviolent crime. Now, why would they do that?
1: Because he made a deal, and is going to be a prosecution
0: witness. Think logically, the IG report, think what's missing. Do you think this was going to be litigated in this setting? Case that implicates some of the most senior elected officials. Treason is being handled by the appropriate office. Thank
1: national security. So. I was thinking. Well, I was pondering what what does it. What led Durham, what line
0: of evidence led Durham to want to contact and put in front of a grand jury someone from the Open Society Foundation? And because... I've consumed so much right wing news. I'm over here thinking it must have to do with Soros, 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 Soros. It must have to do with Soros and not that Soros is, is good. He's very bad. Um, but I'm like, you know, Soros is the object that got my attention in my mind was what could be the Soros connection to Spygate and why would Durant, what, what, where's the line that takes you from Spygate, Russiagate over to George Soros, But I think a much easier line to draw, a much more obvious one, is Spygate, RussiaGate, to DNC,
1: to Imran Awan. I think that makes a lot
0: of sense, and it makes to see Trump. If when one of the things when I was looking on this on Friday night before I checked out, this one right here. Trump's tweet about it, it just made me think, yeah, this is, this is it. This is it. Durham is chasing down this Imran Awan. Durham, I want—I wonder if Durham has Imran Awan as a prosecution witness for a future indictment. And it's just sitting there. And that reminds me, someone made the point to me in my chat and I apologize for not remembering who. But someone made the point to me in my Telegram chat that maybe Durham was waiting for Republicans to get control of the House so that Schiff would be off the Intel Committee before he proceeded with more indictments. Because the House Intel Committee has provided to the media um, leaks and insight into various investigations. So New York times and others, they've benefited from Adam Schiff being on the house Intel committee because he could get access to all sorts of things that they could then either get ahead of the story or they could um, communicate. They could communicate to, uh, people that were being targeted. You know, one of the reasons one of the reasons that um, you'll hear reports, and I'm and, I, and it all it spooks my interest when I hear reports about it. like the like there's members of Congress right now who want to get access to SARS, um, these uh, suspicious action reports from Treasury related to the Bidens, and Treasury hasn't been wanting to show them. Um, and I think part of the reason for that is not to protect the Bidens, but to protect other ongoing investigations, because if you're a swamp monster, it is to your benefit if you can get line of sight into what Treasury is concerned about as far as money moving around. Right. So you're going to want to know if your swampy friends have generated any suspicious action reports, SARs, right? Suspicious activity reports. So um, Congress. Has people in it that are swampy, of course, and they use their abilities and with oversight and with access to classified information to find out where investigations are going and who's popping up on the radar of DOJ. And they use that information to protect themselves. So I would not be surprised if Durham is including in his calculus who is in the house and who has oversight and who has access to some of the things that Durham is doing and whether or not he's been holding on just a little bit because he's waiting for a
1: clean house. Yeah, that's right. Rose Thistle. Good morning. Clean house. So all right,
0: guys, that is my show today. I need to end the show just a little bit early because I need to run an errand before I pick up my, uh, my youngest one from school. So thank you guys for being here today. And thank you for the rumble rants and, uh, all your support and bearing with me while I, um, went through some of this material And I hope you guys have a great day. Hope you guys have a great day. Um, check out all the links in the description if you're looking for ways to support the show. Um, and uh, yeah, that's right. E.H. Kyle. Good morning. Pompeo stated that he knows for a fact that Adam Schiff leaked classified documents. He knows. Yeah. Um, so, yep. Y'all have a great day. I'm out of here. And I will be back on uh, Wednesday morning. Um, If you're interested, I did do Defected last night with Burning Bright. We had a great episode. If you're interested in that, check it out. It's over on Badlands Media's Rumble channel. And God bless. Remember, we're not going to win every battle, but we are going to win this war. See ya.